What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, along with my good friend here, Garrett Denise. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm compensating majorly for the Chiefs' loss, but you know what? We'll get to that later. And uh, I'm just really glad to be here back with you to talk some sports this week. I am glad you're back here, and I am also glad that I am back here because everybody, congratulations. This is the best part of everybody's Monday. It's the best part of my Monday, probably Garrett's, and probably y'all's too because, one, it's the end of Monday, so that automatically puts us in the running for the best part of the Monday. But I will say we are kind of a close close first to Monday Night Football, which we will also get to very soon. But, guys... I gotta, I gotta clap a little bit because K State won a football game, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. We won a Big 12 football game after going 0-3 against who? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and then Iowa State, which that probably hurt us just the most. But this weekend, things are looking up. Things are looking up because we finally got the close, close dub against Texas Tech on Saturday. My Lord, it feels good to be kind of back in the win column because we are no longer at 500. We have a winning record. I smell success. Success it is. It smells sweet. All right, (laughs) so we have this little video from Coach Kleiman giving you all the rundown about what happened in this game if if you guys did not see it. So here it is. An unbelievable team win today. Uh, A lot of adversity that we faced, uh, especially early on in the game, not the way we wanted to start. It was frustrating uh, to us. And uh, and then they get the field goal right before half. And it's, well, I don't know, what was it, 20, 24 to 10 at half and came in. And, and uh, the kids didn't flinch. They didn't bat an eye and felt like we were we were a better team, that we had a chance to win the game. We had to just make some plays. And uh, in my mind, the play of the game was uh, the punt by Ty. And then the, the safety to get it to 24 to 12 because it gave us a ton of life. And, uh, and then we were able to make some plays. Uh, I, I know in the second half, in talking to Coach Mess, he had told me throughout the week that we thought we could pitch it around and throw the ball against these guys. Uh, and we were trying to run it a little bit. And I said, Courtney, let's put it in, in Sky's hands. Uh, spread them out, get to empty, get to some one back sets, and let's, let's throw it around because I, I don't think they can cover us. Uh, and we ended up doing that, talked to Sky, talked to the receivers, and said the game's going to go to you guys. We're going to protect up front, and, and we're going to find a way uh, to keep throwing it around. And then we started to settle in on defense, and that's something that was so important because you can't play defense frantically. And for a while in the first half, we were playing frantically, and then we settled in and started to play good team defense, and that's what you have to do. And so. Uh, what I told the guys after, afterwards is our preparation was exceptional this week. doesn't always guarantee victory, but our preparation was really good. The guys held each other accountable, uh, and it was a team win. Offense, defense, and special teams all in a hand in it, had a hand in the victory. So a much-needed victory, as we all know, that we needed to find a way to come on the road and get a win, and happy for the guys, and, and we've got to enjoy it today and then go back to work. Yes, we are indeed enjoying it because – Lord have mercy, it was looking bleak. It was looking real bleak. The team that was 3-0 to start the season took a complete 180. And as far as energy and just overall performance, and that turned into 0-3. So it was it was looking real rough. And I'll be honest with y'all, it was actually looking real rough at the beginning of this game with Texas Tech. It started off very similar to the week prior with Iowa State. Texas Tech scored on two plays, in two plays already. 
they, they scored. We were already down 7-0 in a blink of an eye, just like the week before. We were like, oh, God, okay, twice. This happened twice. We're like, okay, now we've got that out the way. Let's let's keep it pushing. And we're going to put on our big boy pants, and we're going to go get them. Yes, put on the big boy pants, zip them up, get, let's, get, let's get a dub. But then, oh, God, oh, no, then we fumbled the kick return. And then Texas Tech got it right back. Then all of a sudden we were down 14-0, and the offense hasn't even touched the field. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Lord. And if y'all were on Twitter, ooh-wee, they were coming for heads. Like somebody, they're like, somebody's got to go. This is this is the same as what Ron Price that we had when, Co- uh, when uh, Coach Snyder retired the first time. They're like, heads need to roll. I was like, okay, I never want to say anything bad, especially on Twitter, because I follow a lot of football players, That's and right. a lot of them follow me, so I will never say anything bad, because I look up to these guys. I like these guys. I am a fan. So I was like, look here. We just got to be patient. That's okay? right. Let's withhold judgment until the actual end of the game. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And hold judgment. I hope that they did because, yeah, we're still starting a little bit slow. We were down 24 to 10. So we, we caught up just a smidge, just a smidgen. But, y'all, that second half. This is the second half. We the de- Defensively, this is the second half we got like it was at Oklahoma State. Offensively, this is kind of the second half that we have against Oklahoma. Things were working a little bit. K-State had 15 unanswered points in the second half, beating Texas Tech 25-24. to And Lord have mercy, all of, all of those points counted because, yeah, we were still down. We were down 14 coming out of the half. You know, third quarters aren't, aren't our greatest. Mm-mm. So we came out in third quarter, had the ball first. It was automatically a three and out. We're like, okay, this is as to be expected. But for me and my player of the game, Ty Zittner, we said, hold on, hold, hold my water. Okay, I'm about, to pump, I'm about to punt this sucker inside the five, and that's exactly what he did. Pinned him inside the five, and then Felix Anadike, who was featured on Big Man Ballin' today on Let's NFL go. Live, which was dope with Swagoo, Marcus Spears, former Dallas Cowboy. Just I had to throw that in there. He highlighted him today on Big Man Ballin' for getting the safety that was really kickstart this whole K-State team. And it was, oh, God, it was pretty. He just bulldozed that left tackle. That big 6'7", 300-some-pound man was not even there. Okay, Felix just moved him out the way, got a safety, and then boom. That was points we needed without the offense touching the field in the second half. And that just kept everything going, bro. It was great to see some pass rush. I, I love that. It, it was so great because we are so short-handed in the defensive end spot, a, like a, a position that I thought we were really deep in, but no longer after we lost Khalid Duke and Boone Massey. Because I watched a little bit more of that press conference with Coach Kleiman, and uh, we only had three defensive ends that whole game, only three. They they moved a couple D tackles on the edge every now and again because they only they only had three guys on Saturday, just three. I was like, wow. That's we did that with. I mean, I like the consistency because before it was like you can't really play someone too long and they don't really get a rhythm. And that's also the thing why we had a little drop off defensively mm-hmm. over the games. But I'm like, okay, so Felix Andadike and Nate Matlack, oh, they can keep this thing rolling until one Boom Massey comes back and then just keep this going forward. They must have had the oxygen tanks going the whole game. Oh, they, they had <laughs> to because shoot, they got busted the first the first drive of the game. Our K State defense. That's what that's when everyone's head wanted to roll. I'd be like, yo, Clyman out, Messingham out, Klanderman out. I was like, hold on now, 
wait a minute. Let me let's just let's just give it a second. And Coach Clarman's like, yo, these these guys, these guys didn't flinch. They're like, okay, okay, it's fine. We good. We cool. We cool. But not in the nervous way, like I said it. Okay, like we were good, and they started throwing the ball a little bit. Uh, Skylar Thompson was twenty four for thirty. 206 or no 296 yards and a touchdown and then don't get me started with Deuce Vaughn he was doing what he does his little self was going crazy like he always does he had 120 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns they could not do nothing with little Deuce who can no exactly nobody I don't know if y'all know (laughs) I don't know if y'all know about that song but anywho it was it was just such a great thing to see with this K-State team and I really hope they can keep that moving forward I hope so, too. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, literally unstoppable. I mean, obviously, Big 12 has a lot of good running backs in in, uh, in the ranks, but when we're talking about all-purpose yards at the end of the year, how, how many is Deuce going to have? I mean, <laughs> is he going to be close to 2,000? Is he going mean, to? What, what is this going to look like? It's crazy. He already, I think he already surpassed 2,000 all-purpose yards in the shortest amount of games. Mm-hmm. I saw that list. It was with him and Darren Sproles. And, of course, Darren Sproles is the, is the guy he's, you know, like – what what's the word I'm looking Mo- for? Most closely comparable? Yeah, compared to all the time. They think Darren's like they think Deuce Vaughn, they think Darren Sproles, and even even on Saturday, uh, Deuce Vaughn made this huge like eleven to fifteen yard gain when something that should have been only for two yards, making dudes miss, making them look stupid. And that's what we love. And they're like, Oh man, this is very uh Darren Sproles esque right here. I was like, shoot. You right. Mm-hmm. I mean, only Darren Sproles I know was when he was with the Eagles, not necessarily K State, but even then, if you're also modeling after his NFL like times, like that is it is awesome. Mm-hmm. And so th- he he did great, and I hope they use him more because they put him out in space. That that's where he was at his best is in space, especially that last touchdown that they had to put them up twenty five to twenty four. Mm-hmm. They had they had a linebacker on him. You get dudes versus a linebacker. It's it's over. That's lunch. That's straight up lunch. Also, a fun little thing that my roommate told me is um, apparently Deuce like absolutely broke the ankles of, and maybe it was this linebacker. You you tell me, but uh, he broke the ankles of the guy who hurt Skylar Thompson last year. Oh my goodness! I think you're right. Yeah, he broke. It, I think about six total ankles. Yeah. the entire game. So I feel like he had to be one of the victims. Mm-hmm. I I can't remember the guy's name right now, but yeah, super cool little uh, side story. Uh, get kind of revenge on <laughs> someone who like, ended the season. Sit down right there, but I'll be right back. That's what he said to him. Yep. But it was great. And also what is crazy, Texas Tech, after their whole little blunder being up by double digits for the majority of that game and dropping it to us, K-State football, they fired their head coach, Matt Wells, after three seasons. This was his third season. Middle of the season, they said, bro, you got to go. I was like, wow. And also, fun fact, this is the second time a Texas Tech coach got fired the game after playing K-State. Wow. Yeah. So apparently the next next guy coming in, I don't know who you are, but count your days, bro. Who was the last one? Do you remember? Um. Uh. Oh, my. Why do I always? Was it Kingsbury? Yes, yeah, Kingsbury. Uh-huh. I don't know why I'll never remember that man's He got name. fired after playing us. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, he got, yeah, he got fired because he never had a winning record at Texas Tech. But once right. again, he's with the Arizona Cardinals, but are doing very well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I can never trust undefeated records in the NFL because we saw what Pittsburgh was last year. Yep. <laughs> Anywho. But yes, Texas Tech fired their head coach. They were at a, I think they were a five and two. Before coming into that game, they're now five and three. Will you fire him on five and three? Yeah, but I mean, this was their own, this was their best chance of going to a bowl. Right. Like, uh, 
the next couple games that they have is against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State. What are the chances that they are going to win one of those games? And I don't think it's very good. Yeah, I mean, when this kind of thing happens, and I mean, it happens pretty frequently in not only college, but also pro, when someone gets fired midway through the season, it just makes you go like, what is going on? <laughs> like in, the, in, that, in that locker room and that organization. And it's like, it's like it, you'd think they at least give him like the rest of the season, but it's, you would think. Yeah. I mean, like, you fired your coach, and now you definitely have a lesser chance of winning one of those games well, yeah, because it, to you get th- to a bowl. You think it would, like, create a lot of instability with the players and, and play calling and, like, all this other stuff. It's, like, really it's fascinating. So- like, why do you choose to do it in the middle of the season? I would have at least waited because now your morale is kind of low. It's already low for giving up a 14-0 lead practically for the majority of the game and losing to us by one point, and then... You have one game. This is the, they're hoping to get a bowl game for the first time, I think, since 2017, maybe? 2016, 17, I'm assuming, since the last time Patrick Mahomes was there. Because mm-hmm. they, weren't, they weren't that bad. They weren't impressive, but they weren't that bad either. So I'm assuming that was the last time they went. And it's just been... They've just been squatting ducks ever since. And like, this was their best chance because a 5-3 and three record, I think, is not bad. No. I mean, I would, we were, it would be great if we were 5-3 and three right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it really would. That's what we said last week. Like, hey, we end the season over 500. That's a victory. That that's a dub. A, that's a great victory, especially the teams that we have coming up next. I mean, of course, I'm not going to sleep on anybody in the Big 12. Heck, not even Kansas after that interesting yeah. debacle with OU. I mean, I was they had they sent out a whole email chain, Twitter, be like, everyone come to the stadium. You don't have to worry about no no damn tickets. Just bring just bring your bring yourself in. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it worked or not, but I mean everyone came and saw that they still ended up losing. So but it they made it interesting for like two quarters though. So so good for them. So I will never sleep on Kansas because that's what I think Oklahoma did and that's what the position that they were in. Mm-hmm. Overall like talent, talent prevailed, yes, but early on they made it tougher than it than it should have. So it was a full full day of college football. But also, Garrett, did you see that there was a game that went to nine overtimes? Yes, I was watching it live. You were watching, yeah, that I believe game it was live. Illinois and number seven, Penn State. Penn State, that's right. Um, yeah, we were watching this live, and I had no idea that that had never happened before. Um, my other roommates were alerting me to that fact, and it was just crazy. No one could score. Um, and, and we were like, please, like we've gone to nine, like at least go to 10. We got to get double digits. And then the game ended and we were like, shoot. No, I would absolutely hate, I would hate that as a fan. I would hate that as a player. As a spectacle, we wanted it to happen. As a spectacle, sure. Be like, I have like, I have no involvement in this game. I am, my heart's not in it. So I don't care. Sure. That's fine. Just out of pure curiosity, let's make it to 10. But if I was a fan, I would be like, and if it gets to like five or six overtimes, like, bro, just hand me a helmet. I'm gonna go play defense. Oh yeah. No, it'd be at least 12 on 11. So we can end this game we either gonna lose or we gonna win i don't care i want to go home for the fan bases of both of those teams it was bad like there's no there's no question about it we are not in that position though so we can be like wow this is fun because it just it just seems so awful because the more overtimes there are the more anxiety i'm going to feel as a as a fan at least if i lose at least it's over at least that feeling of what's gonna happen is is done and if we win, I was like, oh, thank goodness we won all those overtimes. My Lord, it could have went the other way. And if we lose, I'm like, God, I'm glad this game is over. Because I, I imagine just it's a late game. A la- imagine if it's one of those West Coast games. It's like 1 a.m. and you're going into your seventh overtime. Right. I, I can't. I would not be able to have that happen to me. I can't. 
No, and like obviously this rule was put in place to make sure that games don't go too long, you know, players don't get injured as much, uh, overtimes are shorter. But it's just really funny that like they, nine. they yeah, I was gonna say like they they made it this way to make the games end quicker, and then they had nine Look overtime, you, like I mean, crazy. I mean, I'm all for not having ties mm-hmm. in the, in college football, like in, unlike they do in the NFL. I, let's let's have no ties it. in any sport. Like yeah, I hate ties. It's, it makes everything weird and obnoxious. But it's. Oh, I don't know. I guess in this case, everyone was playing defense because it was only nine overtimes for a 20 to 18 score. Yeah. I was like, bro, this had to have been at least 70 to 72 or something. But also speaking of 70, what was it? Wake Forest put up 70 against Army who had 54. <laughs> Obviously no defense in that game. But I think the biggest surprise to me that Wake Forest only had 17 minutes worth of offense and put up 70 points. That's insane. Wow, all big plays. All It had to be all big plays. No defense. You just, A, you just run on by me, bro. Get those yards, get those stats, and we'll come back at you with the other end. It's like, you know, tutty for tutty. That's right. exactly what it seemed like. But, whoo. That's wild. I did not hear about that. That was, yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I was like, 17 minutes of offense, and you put up a seven-nugget a seven nugget piece? That's what you do? I was like, well, okay. Army must have been that trash. But then again, they put up 54 points. Let's put up uh, Let's put up Army and uh, what was the other team you said? Wake uh, Forest. Wake Forest, yeah. Yeah, let's put them against Oklahoma, see what they can do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, w- I want to see triple digits. Since KU almost beat them, like, maybe maybe these teams can. Let's let's see what happens. Like, ESPN, whoever schedules these things, make it happen. Even though I know you ain't listening. Oh, well. <laughs> but that's enough for college football. We're going to get into a little bit of basketball that started last week. And, guys... Uh, let me, let's just have a brief moment of silence to pray for Dennis Schroeder and his family because this man, he decided not to sign a four-year, an $84 million contract with the L.A. Lakers because he thought he can get 120 somewhere else. But now this man is playing on a one-year deal in Boston for $5.8 million. And my heart goes out to him and his family because I lost $12 once when I was eight years old and I have never mentally recovered from it. I really haven't. I, if I lost $79 million, I would throw up every single day of my life. I lost my favorite Hot Wheels car when I was seven years old. And you're not okay, I'm are not, you? Oh, oh, I'm worse than okay. I mean, that was probably, what, $250, $275 for that little Hot Wheels car? And it meant the world to me. It meant the world, and that $12, I was going to buy me a Hubba Bubba, okay? <laughs> and then I lost it, and I was so upset, along with that Nokia phone my mom lent me to just play with and press buttons and play games on. Imagine how much Hubba Bubba Dennis Schroeder could have bought with $120 million. Man, he could have made a whole car with Hubba Bubba. <laughs> but no, I mean, granted, he's not broke. I'm glad he's not broke. $5.8 million is nothing to sneeze at, but my guy, you had 84 four million dollars guaranteed for four years on the la lakers new segment idea schroeder watch so every week we just track his progress and see like what he's averaging and like how he's doing and see if he can go get another contract later oh it's not great garrett (laughs) i mean it's only been three games granted but unimpressive Uh uh-huh very unimpressive kind of like playoff schroeder like with the lakers unimpressive but it's only it was only three games. Yeah, small sample size. I don't even know what the Boston record is. I saw their first game against the uh, uh, the New York Knicks. Oh, that was crazy! It went to double overtime. I mean, 
it was oh that game was insane. The Garden, I have to go to the to the Garden at one point. I don't yep. even like the Knicks, but I feel like I need to I need to bask in that experience of what it's like to be in Madison Square Garden when the Knicks are playing. Julius Randle is really just continuing to carry this Knicks team. Oh, absolutely, but I mean they're doing some really good things. Even they did they probably had the dra- the best draft to me. One of the best drafts classes that they had. They used it to its fullest. So they're good. But then also I say that. Then they lost to the Orlando Magic the other day. I was like, uh, how Who can I say this? traded away every single one of their good players yes. for draft picks. Yes, they did. So, but I they will they get far in the East? Probably not. I mean, their ceiling is probably what it was last year, the fifth seed. Or, no, the fourth seed, I think. But, eh. Eh, I, I don't really know. But a couple other things that happened, the L.A. Lakers, of course, I don't know if y'all know, but they have the the geatric team that they have with LeBron, <laughs> Melo, uh, Russell me Westbrook, R- Rajon Rondo, De- uh, what is he? DeAndre Jordan, and Dwight Howard. I mean, this team would have been damn good in 2015 it would have been 2012 this team would be unstoppable and they're still good they can still ball do not get me wrong because mellow mellow dropped like 28 last night that led them to the lakers first win vintage mellow performance yeah vintage mellow you know every time he makes a three three uh three hits to the dome like he always does his signature thing so they got a close narrow win against uh memphis last night but the Games before that, even then, they're not meshing as well as they probably hoped to at the beginning of the season. At the beginning, but like I said, it's only been three games in. Things will happen. But something that really stood out this was the first game of the season, the season opener against the Phoenix Suns, and a little scuffle between Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. So it's kind of a strange thing to you because you see arguments on the sideline all the time, but this one kind of got a little physical. So we have this clip from Undisputed with Shannon Sharp talking a little bit about it. Deal. I was surprised that it came to this. I don't know what led to this. This doesn't seem like AD's personality, but maybe we're seeing a different AD now. But skip the expectations level. They haven't played. They're not playing where they didn't play well opening night. And then here we are again. We're getting blown out on our home court. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was a defensive rotation. Maybe it was an assignment. Yep. But for whatever reason, AD did not like what Dwight Howard did on the court. He and he's not. trying to get his attention. And, yep. and, and, and uh, uh, Dwight is like getting him the cold shoulder. He's like, hold on, bro. Bro, I mean, what were you doing? And I was surprised that AD stepped to him and then, like, grabbed his arm and like, he bro, did. I'm trying to talk to you. Yep. But like they said, Skip, they played before. They know each other. So it's not like they can't coexist. I am surprised that it got to this level, but it shows you the level of uh, frustration mm-hmm. that, that was going on against the Phoenix Sun because they started out well. The next thing you know, Phoenix go on a blitz and they're down 20, 22 points, 23 points. And finally, 32 points. 32 they were points. Down. Yep. And they make a run late in the fourth they quarter. Did. And I think Frankie V put them in. It's like, look, y'all need to play together. Yep. Ain't no sitting on the bench and, you know, playing 20 minutes tonight because it's a blowout. You guys need to play together to figure this thing out. And so, look, AD and Dwight said we squashed it. It's behind us. We were trying, we, um, we're, you know, very, very competitive guys. It's an emotional ball game. But I am surprised, like Magic, I'm surprised that it rolls to this level. But for AD, that the most surprising because I know Dwight. Dwight, you know, Dwight got a little edge to him. Yeah. We haven't seen this side from AD. Yeah, we have. I mean, AD AD is a fantastic player. He was on the top 75, like all 75 list that the NBA put out. But he's not really known to be like, you know, the I don't want I guess motivator. 
I guess that's what leads to those like kind of passionate arguments on the side on the on the sideline or in the bench, I should say. Uh, but this one, I mean, he was trying to get he was trying to get Dwight Howard's attention because they were all around not playing very good. I mean, Dwight Howard, he wasn't playing good. He had like a reckless foul against Chris Paul, kind of swiping out the ball in frustration or whatever. Y'all know how Chris Paul is. This man be hunting for fouls and flopping like no other. So he was doing good. And shoot, even Anthony Davis was doing bad. He was getting cooked. I mean, speaking of Chris Paul, Chris Paul was cooking that man repeatedly. He's like, oh, if one-on-one switched, I got 80 on me. Hold up. Let me let me cook this man up right quick. In, out, through the legs, spin move, you know, bucket. That's what it was. I was like, it was just, it's, it's, it's that cohesion. I mean, I'm not that worried about it because AD and Dwight Howard, they've, they've played together. But the cohesion of the team is kind of what's been suffering, which we all thought it would. Because especially this was uh, the second game, not the very first game. The first game they lost to Golden State, and that they were kind of hard to mesh well, especially with Russell Westbrook. And then this time it was just everybody. If your name was not LeBron, you weren't really doing all what you need to do. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. When when they acquired Russell Westbrook, I was like, okay, this could work. Um, but you know, watching the first couple games and seeing highlights, it's just like. LeBron plays point forward, you know? It's like he has to have the ball in his hands a lot, and when you have throw Russell Wilson, or excuse me, Russell Westbrook on a team, uh, who all, he also has to have the ball in his hands a lot. That's just how he plays, right? So it's like, how is this going to work exactly? Like, if they use Russell Westbrook as kind of like a, when AD and LeBron are on the bench, he just takes over, and he's used as more of like a supplementary starting player, like, that would make sense. But watching the first couple games, the chemistry has just not been there. No, and I mean, that's as expected, especially with Russ. Typically, the first quarter of the season in the new team that he is with, because this is now his third team in as many years, it took a while for him to get going when he was at Houston, but eventually it was all good, even though, granted, it was not the type of style that he plays and the style that Houston plays, so that's also why he did not last very long. Houston was uh, live by the three, die by the three. Westbrook does not shoot threes or do them well. And then with uh, the Washington Wizards, where he was with uh, Bradley Beal, they got a little slow start at the beginning too. But then, of course, they they made the play in and ended up playing uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs and made a huge like last season push. And it was and it was really good. So oh, I loved watching that series. It, right? It was more entertaining than I thought. I thought it was going to be a sweet furrow. Um, but then, I mean, this we had we had those concerns that they wouldn't really mesh all that well. But they, they're all professionals. They've been in this league for 10-plus years at this point, all, at least all the big-name guys that are there for 10-plus years. So I think they'll, they'll get it going. It's just it's going to take some patience on the part of probably the fans, and hopefully they can get it going quickly because, once again, this, West, this Western Conference is stacked. Because you still you still have the Utah Jazz, you still have the Denver Nuggets, uh, Golden State looks looks damn good, and they don't even have Clay Thompson back yet. He'll I think he comes back in December. Hopefully he plays the whole season because I miss watching that man play. Uh, but yeah, the Golden State Warriors they're getting it done. Can't count the Mavs out. And shoot, Memphis uh, with John ja Morant. John ja Morant scored 40 points, and the only reason that game against the Lakers didn't go into overtime. Is because he missed the he missed the third free throw that would have sent them into overtime with 2.5 seconds left. So who knows? The Lakers could have very well been 0-3 if he would have just made that final free throw. But hopefully they can get it together and get it together quickly because we all have more than likely 
the L.A. Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets meeting in the NBA Finals next summer. So it depends how fast they can get this cohesion together. That's going to be detrimental. And then we'll see how that goes. But then on the other side, in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets, they're not looking too great. They're one. I think they're like one and two. Yep, that's right. They're one and two without Kyrie. Of course, y'all probably know Kyrie's refusing to play because he does not want to get the vaccine. La-di-da-di-da. There was even a whole protest in front of Barclays Center this weekend. And they tried to storm the building. Uh, that was that was insane, but who knows why people do what they do, but it's whatever that is. But the Nets, they need to start getting some things going, too, because James Harden, he's not exactly coming into his own yet, either. It's And especially with the new NBA rule, or the, the three-point shooting rule, where no longer three-point shooters can, can jump into the defender. Right. They can't do that, and that's kind of what James Harden, he was one of the several players in the NBA who, that was kind of their bread and butter. Like is James Harden gonna get things going, or is he just av- he's or is he just an average NBA player now that he's not getting 17 free throws a game anymore because he jumps into the defender? It's, right. It's gonna we have to see that mesh between the nets. So like, do you do you still think everything is going to fall together with this LA Lakers team and with these Brooklyn Nets for them to still meet in the NBA Finals, even though there's some really stacked teams on in both conferences? Yeah, I mean, I would never bet against Kyrie Irving, or excuse me, Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Uh, I think that would be foolish. Um, both both <laughs> the teams are still extremely good. Uh, the Kyrie situation is super weird, and we talk, we've talked about it before. Um, you know, obviously, so far there haven't really been up, any updates with that that story in terms of Kyrie playing anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, you know, there's there's some sort of new opponents emerging in the East to face uh the bulls are starting to look like they're not dead in the water they, they look they look kind of good yeah the three games that they've played they they look they look kind of high i mean the, the heat are hoping for a resurgent season after they added a couple new pieces um you still got the hawks the bucks the sixers knicks i mean there's a lot of solid teams that can contend so uh the nets i, I won't i wouldn't say they can you know i feel like last year with all the injuries that happened for them um you know they just kind of went through the season and we're kind of laid back knowing that, hey, when we get our guys, when we get all three guys playing together again, we can really dominate. And then they got to the playoffs and that finally happened and they, they couldn't win. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the opponents are getting tougher. Teams are getting better. Now you've lost Kyrie. Can you make it happen? Uh, they, they have to see because, I mean, we, we've seen them play. And, of course, all three of them have not played probably double-digit games yet, and probably not going to if this Kyrie situation continues to, I guess, bear nothing. So, and we have to see, and we're still waiting for Harden to kind of get his own. I'm not worried about that. He's probably going to get something going right now. KD has been kind of carrying the team and mm-hmm. of that nature. They still got Patty Mills, which is a great addition. Uh, so they just have to make things work out just a little bit and without Kyrie. Yeah, and this is the... Right. This is the, always the question that people ask when you get super teams like this. What's more important? Like, or, or I guess which one is more important? Um, chem- team chemistry with maybe fewer stars or all stars and you just add them from wherever you want and make a super team. And it's like this Brooklyn Nets team is, is showing like it's not all about having a big three. It's not all about having all these huge stars. They help. But that team chemistry is really important. 
It really is important, especially if Patty Mills is going to play like he has been. Patty Mills has been really the probably the best one of the best pickups for that Brooklyn Nets team. And so if they get things going, especially with Harden and he starts going because Katie, Katie's already going. Katie's already he's always going. He's like he's averaging 30, 32 points already these first three games. So we ain't got nothing to worry about Katie. James Harden, he'll come to his own. But if Patty Mills, because I know Patty Mills and Kyrie Irving are two very different players, not even the same realm of talent. But if Patty can really, like, Patty can play. Yeah, he he's is no, no, he he is is no, no slouch. Scrub. He is no slouch. He is good. He has he has a medal when playing with Australia in the Olympics, okay? He played an exceptionally great game against Team USA in the Summer Olympics. So, Patty, he's never been a scrub. And I think this is a great environment for him to be in. So, this is something we obviously need to keep an eye out because this Brooklyn Nets team is also very close to being 0-3 if the, uh, let's see, the... New York Knicks didn't blunder the end of that game with Brooklyn going on like a 15-0 run to end the fourth quarter. Right. So it very could have easily been still 0-3 without Kyrie. Let's see how this goes. But um, enough about basketball. We're going to move to NFL this this past Sunday, full of NFL games and uh, full of, di- of dire disappointment for my dear friend Garrett Manise over here with the Kansas City Chiefs losing to... The Tennessee Titans, 27-3. And before I hand him the mic, there's this little piece that I thought was interesting from first take this morning with Michael Irvin giving his little insight about that game. So here it is. And nobody's scared anymore. Sure. And you walk in a game, you think you're still that old team, and you think you're just going to shake it off and, and, and go back to killing people and dictating from an offensive standpoint, because that's what they've been doing for years. They've dictated to off to defenses, this is what we're going to do. We'll make you do this and then tear you up. And they no longer can do that. And I'm going to tell you something. Every game you go in, I don't care that you are no longer the same team. Every game you go in, they're still going to say, well, these are the Super Bowl. They went back-to-back Super Bowls. That's what we're playing. So now you got to match that intensity when you have all the doubt that you have. I remember Dion coming in that room one day when we were talking. We had just lost another game. And he's like, Mike, we got to do something about it. I looked at him. I said, time. It's over. The dynasty is over. That dynasty right now, as we know it, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's over over. They will not get to the playoffs this year. Nobody's even talking about their schedule. They can come out of these next four games going into the bye at one and three. They can lose these next four. They, they, they got a tough their next schedule four? coming up. They got New York. Then they got Green Bay, Las Vegas, and Dallas. They can lose all yeah, three of those games. That yeah. is a gauntlet. That's one and four before the bye. This is over for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't know if they can get it back. Well, y'all heard, y'all heard Michael Irvin. He said, uh, Nobody's scared of them anymore, and this dynasty is over. I don't know if I want to say over just yet, but yesterday is not helping the Kansas City Chiefs case. Patrick Mahomes finished with 20 for 35 passing, 206 yards, an interception, and a fumble loss. And I think his QBR, if I heard correctly, was like 6.1. That is a really bad QBR. And this is the first time Patrick Mahomes has not thrown for a touchdown pass and I think in his whole career so it was a really really rough time for this Kansas City team so Garrett I know you have a lot to say so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna give you the sad Naruto music again was this five straight weeks I'm sorry man it's okay are you sure no I'm fine I'm fine it's fine 
It's getting, it's getting Everything's little, fine. It's getting, and I know it's kind of warm in here, so your eyes sweating a little bit. I can see it from here. Someone turned up the heat? I think so. It's definitely not tears coming from this man's face. Glasses are not fogging because a leak. of tears. Someone checked the pipes of this building. I know, man. You are at three and four. And tied at the bottom of the AFC West with the Denver Broncos, man. How does, how does it feel? It feels odd. Mm. I think most Chiefs fans are feeling this way. But my points are going to come down to three major concerns as to why this has happened. Only three. Well, three main ones. I could go on for <laughs> literally freaking ever. But this is how we'll start this off, okay? Start us off. Offensive line play, we tried to fix it. We put in a lot of resources. Traded the first round pick for Orlando Brown. Signed Joe Tooney to the biggest uh, guard contract in NFL history. We drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. Trey Smith in the sixth. But here's the thing. Resources do not equal immediate success. No, it doesn't. No. All of these players on the offensive line, uh, you know, Sands, Tooney, are relatively inexperienced. They're 24 years old or younger. We were expecting this to fi get fixed immediately. It's just not. It's just not good enough yet. And that performance against the Titans was reminiscent of the Super Bowl offensive line performance. I mean, it really was. Um, Patrick Mahomes had no time to throw, and he obviously had a QBR of like six, and he was getting beat up. He ended up getting taken out of the game at the end for a possible concussion. He was cleared, at least. But here's another thing about this team. Give this it year. to me. We've had really bad turnover luck. Yep, lead the NFL in turnovers. Yeah. You cannot win if you, <laughs> if you do that. You just can't. As we can see. It's miraculous we even have three wins. But this is not typical of the normal Kansas City Chiefs. Usually we're a team that really minimizes turnovers. But this year, that luck has come all the way back across the mean, and it's gone the opposite direction. And that's going to be a really huge barrier for us to be successful this season. Now, when Michael Irvin said, this dynasty is over, that's an, I, mean, I think that's an exaggeration. Brady didn't win the Super Bowl every year. Brady didn't make the playoffs some years. For various reasons. And I think Patrick Mahomes, skill level-wise, is still the best quarterback in the NFL up there with Rodgers and Brady and all the ones, all the normal culprits you would, you would suspect. But he, he just can't. He has no time to sit back there and survey the field. But, I mean, there are certain times where Patrick just was doing too much. I mean, no, for of sure. course, all the blame does not go on, on Patrick Mahomes, but there has been some very costly turnovers from his part with either him just trying to, like, there's no pressure in him just trying to make a play, but there is no 24-point play that he can do, but he's just chucking it up there anyway. Right, and, and you know, Patrick Mahomes has always been a player that's put the ball in risky positions. He's just gotten very lucky the first couple of years of his career. Like I said last week, the year that he won MVP, rookie year, he had he was tied for the most turnover-worthy plays by PFF. He was tied with with uh, uh, Winston, James Winston. James Winston obviously ended up having 30 picks that year, and everyone 30. made fun of him. Patrick Mahomes historically has put the ball in risky positions. He's just gotten very lucky. But like I said, the luck has come back all the way across. Um... Another reason why this is happening is we're tying up a lot of resources into players that are not performing. Successful teams can reload with cheap young talent. 
What have we done with our first round picks the last couple years? Trade for Orlando Brown. Trade for Frank Clark. And we have to pay them. <laughs> I mean, I thought you already paid Frank Clark. No, we did. We, yeah, we have. Yeah, and We're going to have to pay ones. Orlando Brown now. I thought you already... Like, what was his contract already? Was he was like on his fifth year option. Mm. Um, so he's going to have to negotiate a new contract this offseason. Um, Oof, I don't know how well that's going to go yeah. right now. And you know who the Ravens drafted with that first that we gave them? Uh, I do believe it was Rashad Bateman. That's right. That's right. Who we would desperately need right now. <laughs> I mean, you, you ain't got faith in Byron Pringle? You don't think he can be that guy? I do not. I do not. I, oh. I mean, I like Byron Pringle, but like, come on. He's, he's not a star. He's a good role player. I think Rashad Bateman is a really good prospect. My point being, all of this aside, a lot of bad vibes and bad juju is converging on our team right now. And it is possible we don't make the playoffs now, especially with these upcoming games like Michael Irvin just mentioned so kindly. Yep. Green Bay, Las Vegas, and what was the third one? Dallas. Dallas. Really tough offense. Very. This might just be a mulligan year. And you know what? I implore, I, I implore Brett Veach to, if, this, if we end up having a losing record and we have a semi-high draft pick, don't trade it away. We need young talent. <laughs> we need young, cheap talent because we're going to have a lot of players to pay. I mean... And it's like, uh, I just... It's very sad. Obviously, we can still win some games because you're never out of a game with Patrick Mahomes. But that's that's my piece. That's what I'll say. I understand, but they... Of course, we've seen them go down 20, like 24 points before, double-digit points, and they've always come back... But as of recently, is this just doesn't feel like the this like this team can come back. I mean, I of course I was sitting there watching the game against the Tennessee Titans, and I was like, you know what? Maybe a year ago, I would have thought that yeah, this game is not out of reach. But then I'm like, the energy, like we'll see at the half because they did it against the Washington football team last week. And the reason they won that game was because it was the Washington football team. Yeah. They didn't they didn't have the type of offensive star power that the Tennessee Titans have. But also the biggest surprise to me that this Chiefs team was held to only three points with a Tennessee Titan defense that good. was not that good. You would think that Tyreek Hill and uh, Kelsey and all them boys was going to eat against that Titan secondary, which is not good. For reference, the Jets beat the Titans. Yes, they did. And we lose to the Titans. So transitive property tells us the Jets could beat us? I don't know. That sounds preposterous. I mean, maybe not anymore because Zach Wilson's going to be out for two to four weeks with a sprained PCL. So if y'all were to play the New York Jets tomorrow, y'all would have a chance. Oh, I mean, yeah. We'd have a chance with Zach Wilson playing. He's trash. Yeah, but, that too. That too, as well. But what is what is this huge difference? Because in the preseason, people were talking about, including myself, that this team could go 17-0. and 0. So what was what is such a dramatic difference from last season to this season, other than the offensive line? Because this defense, of course, has never been impressive. Mm -mm. This time is just on a whole new level of trash. What happened? We are expecting one to two times a game we get a huge play on defense. That was what I mean. Obviously, our defense has always been trash with Patrick Mahomes, but we usually expect at least one or two big plays to come out, and that's going to be enough. Our offense will do its thing. That's going to be enough for us to win the game. That hasn't been happening. And then obviously, we're still getting these Super Bowl against the Bucks offensive line performances. With a whole new offensive line. With a new, with a whole new offensive line. And if we keep the whole unit together, 
they'll just keep getting experience and getting older and more and better, hopefully, and improving. But time will tell, and it's sad. But as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I'm used to success now. Like it's it is weird that this is happening. Keep in mind, some teams would love to have be three and four. Like very true. Um, Jacksonville, Houston, yeah, the Jets. Oh, yeah. just to name a couple. But uh, you know, Chiefs fans, please don't go on a a tangent about Andy Reid needs to be fired and all this. It's like, no, stop that. Well, we know Andy Reid is a good coach. Like, there are just some things that he can't control. I mean, I guess it's just, it just depends how this Kansas City Chiefs team can adjust. Because also what Michael Irvin said, nobody's scared anymore. They, they found a way to kind of take away Tyreek Hill a little bit. And then, like, Tyreek Hill, if he's not going to get these huge explosive plays and they can hold um, – Travis Kelsey to under 100 yards receiving, they have a good chance of beating this Kansas City team, especially with the defense that they put on the field every every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. They had people have a chance now. They kind of figured it out, and they kind of took away the Chiefs' identity because their identity has been big plays, chuck it up there, 50-yard touchdown bomb every game. At some point, it's not going to be surprising. Multiple times a game, probably. You take that away. They're not turning into little check down Charlie kind of boring football that they're used to. And that's why Patrick Mahomes is probably struggling because he's so used to the big play. Absolutely. Not the fundamental game manager type of quarterback because he's never been that in his NFL career. Right. And and last thing I'll say on this, just don't overreact to one game. I know it's hard because Shoot, it's we're, just, we're just so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> not that bad though. True, this one was, this a, was the a worst whooping. Ever loving crap fest. Um, yeah. But obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had a performance like this in week one. They bounced back. They're 5-1 and one now. That's not going to happen for us. This season is looking really bleak. But I don't think this is going to be the norm, if I'm being honest. If the, if the offensive line gets better next year and we improve the defense a little bit, we're going to have some cap space, I think, uh, depending on who we cut. Uh, we're going to have some nice cutting options, most likely Frank Clark, most likely Anthony Hitchens, um, just guys who haven't performed up to their contract. Um We'll, we have to see. Yeah. yeah stay stay strong, see. Chiefs fans. And uh, the trade deadline starts tomorrow. So if y'all trade for some better defensive players, especially in that secondary, even though I don't know who's available, I don't know who you would be willing to give up, especially if you have a rough season and get a high first-round draft pick, the highest y'all have gotten in a couple years. I don't know if y'all want to give that up to get an impact defensive player now. That's so-so, and that's all going to depend on Andy Reid and the, and the guys that they have there in the front office. But I I can't think they, they won't be down forever because Mm-mm. there was other than that offensive line there was no dramatic change to this Chiefs team they they are still good and I think every way I still think Travis Kelsey is the number one t- tight end in the league and uh, Tyreek Hill is a top five wide receiver Patrick Holmes even though he's not playing like it he is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league so I just they just need to adjust yep. and we'll really see how that mentality goes because this is the first time in a long time this team has felt like this so we'll just have to see how that goes but once again bro i'm sorry it is okay i'm sorry we recover we get stronger we move on yeah and uh, that was actually one of my hot takes that i had earlier was that the chiefs would have their worst season under patrick mahomes and if that comes to fruition and by worst season i mean does not make it to the afc championship because they made it before and lost so i'm not counting that as a failure because they've already done it so if they do not make the afc championship i get to wear a purple wig around this campus for a whole week things are looking bleak 
there's a couple of things already looking like it's coming to fruition because my other hot take was that a quarterback would not win offensive rookie of the year than Jamar Chase just had to become Jamar Chase so I might be wearing a purple wig for two weeks because my hot takes were not hot enough yeah. that's my own punishment I will bear it myself and usually like quarterback obviously has the ball in their hand the most and that makes it most likely for a rookie QB to win offensive rookie of the year especially how everyone was drooling over this rookie QB class yeah but you're it's gonna be Jamar Chase right now we'll oh, see oh but boy. I don't think Mac Jones can do anything to change that no because Mac Jones is I mean he's better but he's not you know he's he's checked down Charlie like I said last week yeah so nothing overly impressive just efficient yes but nothing overly impressive he's kind of playing with shackles but anywho so I might as well start ordering my high-end purple wig now. <laughs> All right, so one last thing we got is San Francisco 49ers dropping the game against the Indianapolis Colts last night in what was called a boom something, a boom typhoon or something. Oh, it, uh, boom, a boom cyclone or something? Boom cyclone. Yeah. It's just a dramatic name for bad weather. It was <laughs> a lot of rain and a lot of wind, and it was overall just a crappy game. It was, it was pretty trash, but... I started watching, and I was like, bro, San Francisco is not who we thought they were. Like, even worse than who we thought they were. And we have this little clip from uh, from the herd, from Colin Cohert, so I'll play that for y'all real quick. There was every reason last night for Indianapolis to lay an egg. Think about this. They're a dome team. They played in the monsoon. They were on the road, West Coast, late night, big TV game. They had major injuries on their offense. They had ugly turnovers early, and yet they played a brilliant second half. They don't coach scared. They overcome injuries. Frank Reich and this organization rolled the dice on Carson Wentz. He has been terrific. Only one interception this year. It's the lowest among all starters. And I don't know what it is. This is not a shot at Kyle Shanahan, but he's a very rigid personality, and I watched that team last night. They're coached rigidly. They coach scared. Listen, if... If you're going to coach that way with Jimmy Garoppolo, play Trey Lance. What's the point? What is the point? It's like we said about Chicago. If you're going to coach conservatively with Andy Dalton, well, then just give Justin Fields reps. But there was every reason for the Colts to, to lay down last night. Dome team, in a monsoon, out west, TV game, underdog, key injuries, bad early turnovers, and they came out hyper-aggressive in the second half and stole that game. And organizationally, the Niners have had too many whiffs in the draft, haven't hit on all their free agents. we got to stop lumping them in with the great teams. Kyle Shanahan afterwards explained. i got a whole team to worry about. I'm not just thinking about what the quarterback situation right now. I'm going to evaluate everything, see where our team's at, um, see what gives us the best chance to beat Chicago, um, and see what our options are. Just got to keep – got to keep – him off the great coach, great organization, great roster. Enough. In division, in their own division, they are four of four. Worst quarterback. You can make an argument now. Worst roster. Four of four. Lost the last seven games at home. This is not an elite franchise. Not an elite roster. The San Francisco 49ers have, I, would probably, I think it's safe to say, has completely fallen from grace from when they had their Super Bowl run and I think, what was it, 2019, uh, when, of course, they blundered that and ended up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs that game. But, I mean, this is kind of right. And Kyle Shanahan, he's kind of known for having two Super Bowl blunders. 
where he was uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons in their Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. And of course, we all know what happened. 328. That is a national holiday now because that's how they they, they crapped 25 point. They crapped a 25 point lead in the middle of the third quarter that ended up going into overtime and they lost the Super Bowl because Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for that. And then 2019 in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs, he uh, they had a lead. They had a lead against the Chiefs. They were honestly one completed pass away from probably putting y'all to bed. Yep. But then he had the lead. This man is not cannot be trusted with the lead because he ought to, he will always play so conservatively, and it just ended. It just ends up with the team all of a sudden. Oh no, we're down three. It's a close game when we were up by twenty. That's this has happened before. And then last night. I mean, they just as a whole organization, they are one in ten at home since the 2020 season. Like, do you know how hard that is? Especially like unless you are a super crappy team like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Jets. I could see them having a one in ten record at home. But the San Francisco 49ers, who we were so high on, especially before that 2020 season, of course, granted their entire roster got blown up by injuries, so that's understandable. But even then, they've never they've never been able to recover. Cause last night, even though it was a tough game to play in, but bro, they sucked. <laughs> I mean, that game sucked all around. There probably should have been a total of like 10 interceptions. Yeah. But that was such a bad game for the 49ers. There was. They got the ball. They had their first 15 plays scripted. They scored the first drive. Then after that, they're like, oh, I don't know what we're doing. It was it just they sucked. Yeah. Um. I don't know why. Like everyone just assumes that Kyle Shanahan is like in the in that like Belichick tier of coaches. Because like you look at what he's done so far, and it's like yeah, blow huge leads. Um. And I don't know. It's just, it's it's just not as solid as people seem to hold him in regard. You know, like and. Here, here's my question: What is this Brandon Ayuk usage like? I, I don't get it. Any targets? I don't get it. Like they, they were heavily using Debo Samuel, and I, I like, love Debo I like, Samuel. I like Debo. I do, but they were, they were throwing to nobody else last night. Granted, it's hard to throw in that rain and that wind situation. Yeah, and Kittle's out. And Kittle is out, so I, I get that. But you're like, it feels like you're putting your own offense in shackles by only throwing it to one guy. I get it. It could work for other teams like Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Sure, that works for them. But you're, guess what? You're not, you're not, um, you're not Devontae Adams and you're not Aaron Rodgers. So they need to spread that ball around. That's part of the reasons why they didn't do so well either. Yeah, and like they, they're literally holding them off the field. Like it, it's, it's, it's completely. Like stupefying, I I don't I don't is the word right word to use. I don't because know, but it made sense to me. Last week, or excuse me, last year he had like 800 yards as a rookie. He was making big plays. He's a huge, fast receiver, the exact right first round pick for that team. I mean, he he's such a dynamic player, and it literally seems like there's some sort of grudge going on between like Kyle Shanahan and and he. And it's like that's the like what is what is the reason he's not on the field that's there's no excuse no, for that he's he's on the field he's just not getting any looks he's not getting any looks he's but not his routes targets. his routes that he's running are like lower than what he was doing last year i mean he's like they're not throwing to him he he's like he's not even there which is crazy and he's he's playing i see him on the field i see him throwing blocks for their running back he's there but they're not utilizing him the way that they probably should 
to win games, and especially with the defense that they have is no longer a good defense. Of course, they still got Joey Bosa. They still have Fred Warner, who's who's like a high-end linebacker in this league. They're but, secondary, though. Yeah, they're. Ugh. oh, my gosh. That's probably the worst, one of the worst secondaries I've ever seen in my life was last night. The only reason that the, the Indianapolis Colts won this game is because they gave up like three or four 45 to 50 yard pass interference it was all underthrown balls and they were all just like hugging the receiver be like oh no push and it was a flag every time i was like bro turn around yeah and like they never look for the ball i don't agree with colin that like carson wentz has been this like world beater this he year hasn't. like he's, he's, he's been, been fine he's been average yeah that's great and even last night he should have had like five interceptions yeah and he only he only had like one and then maybe a one fumble which makes the loss for the 49ers even worse even worse my guy i'm just this they they don't look good and we were high on them because this was what we thought was the probably the hardest conference in the nfl was the nfc west but right now seahawks i mean underperforming but of course they lost russell wilson so we can't get too mad at that but even before then because mm-hmm. their defense is also trash mm-hmm. then you have san francisco who we thought was going to be the odd man out but we didn't expect them to be this disappointing yep it was, I don't know, man. It was a rough stint for them. I don't think they can turn it around. Maybe if they keep Trey Lance in, might as well, hey, learning experience for the rookie, keep him in. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this situation. It's all a super wait and see. And they don't even have their first round pick. No, I don't think they do. Nope. Shoot. The Dolphins do. Ah, yikes. But, guys, time flies when you are having fun because that is the end of our show, unfortunately. But I'm glad you guys were able to make it here with us. Come back next Monday here on Run It Back on Wildcat 91.9. You can follow me at Jay's Wit It on Twitter. That is J-A-Y-S-W-I-T-It. Thank you so much, and we'll see you all next week. See ya.